You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. And we are here today to get into the offensive performances at the 2023 NFL Scouting Combine. And there's a lot to go over, so we're going to roll directly into it, my friend Chris Flum. Let's start with the wide receivers and the tight ends. Look, he didn't run a 40, but to me, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who had three catches this past year because he missed almost the entire season with a hamstring issue, looked so smooth in and out of his cuts, in and out of his breaks, in the route running portion of this drill. And yeah, I know he's a slot receiver, but damn, Chris, he really kind of jumped out at the entire NFL audience. And I don't know how many first round wide receivers there will be in this draft, but Jackson Smith and Jigba is definitely one who who really is uh, trending in that direction. Yeah, I, right now I'm kind of expecting there to be like eh, four first round wide receivers with Quentin Johnston, Jordan Addison, Jackson Smith and Jigba and Zay Flowers in some order. I One of them has to go first and one of them has to go fourth. But I think overall, I think those are the guys and, and yeah, probably Jalen Hyatt as well, who I think kind of set themselves above the rest of this wide receiver class. And with Jackson Smith and Jigba, he really did need to show the NFL that he is the guy he was in 2021. And I think he did that. He absolutely did that. And I get it. His explosives, they were they were modest, right? Like 35-inch vert. I didn't really expect Jackson Smith and Jigba to jump out of the gym at 10-5 broad. It's nothing necessarily to write home about. But dude, he had a 6-5-7-3 cone, which is elite, right? Like that's almost Brandon Cook's good level good. Like that is in a very, very good three cone drill. His short shuttle was three, nine, three. So those short area agility drills, which does show up on tape as a route runner really just pop out. So I think Jackson Smith and Jigba don't even run the 40 yard dash. Like we don't even care at this point. Like if I was Jackson Smith and Jigba, I wouldn't run that at my pro day. Pro day. I think I would just kind of rest on my laurels of what I already done and what I put on tape in 2021 and just allow teams to Pick me apart at that point. Don't even give them the opportunity if you run like a four six or something to to use that against you. Yeah, exactly. And for the Giants in particular, the one thing we do know that Joe Shane, Brian Dable, what they care about for a wide receiver and Giants fans who have not gotten over Plaxico, Plaxico Burris, cover your ears for a moment. Giants care about receivers who can get open. They want route runners. They want natural separators. They don't care if the receiver is big, if he's tall, if he's short, if he's skinny. Their most important trait is separation. And I think Jackson Smith and Jigba and Zay Flowers, those are the guys who will likely be or potentially be available at 25 that they have that those traits in spades. And the other 
two wide receivers that we want to go over here who could potentially be available for the New York Giants is USC slash Pitt wide receiver Jordan Addison and Zay Flowers from Boston College. And Zay Flowers ran a 4-4-2 with a 1-5-3 10-yard split, jumped 35 and a half in the vert with a 10-7 broad. I felt like both of these receivers looked good in the route running portions. What did you see from Flowers and Addison? Yeah, I thought Flowers looked great. Uh, he confirmed what I saw on tape, which is kind of what you want to do at the scouting combine. He's got good speed, not great, but good. He's very quick, very twitchy in and out of his breaks. He's a great route runner. You know, for him, the the question's always going to be catch radius and his size. Uh, Jordan Addison, I th- I thought his, his 40 was a little um, disappointing, but with him, you just have to turn on the tape. That's all you need to see. And we could see in the field drills and the gauntlet and all of that, he is a natural catcher of the football. He's a hands catcher. He can adjust to the ball. He can explode out of his breaks. He can do everything you need a starting wide receiver to do in the NFL. Now, the fact that he was 177 pounds yeah, that might give some teams some pause, but we are seeing wide receivers trend smaller in the NFL over the last several years. Yeah, Addison, I mean, the 4-4-9, that's disappointing, especially at that size. It's a little bit problematic, but when you watch him run the routes, man, I don't know if you saw him run that dig route where the, the ball was well ahead of him and he had to extend away from his frame and he just leapt and he just plucked it out of the air. It was beautiful. Like That's what he does. He has reliable hands. He's a good route runner. And I know he didn't test all that well, but he's still somebody who has, is a first-round caliber type of wide receiver. And I think somebody who will be in consideration for the Giants at pick 25. So Jordan Addison, not the biggest winner or anything like that, but still looked pretty good on field doing the drills. What other wide receivers kind of jumped out at you at the combine? You know, I think for me, the, the kind of under-the-radar guys, like if the Giants uh, draft a wide receiver, be it, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Zay Flowers, potentially Jordan Addison if he slips that far in the first round, if they want to turn around and double down at the position because they kind of need to rebuild their entire receiving core right now. You know, Bryce Ford Wheaton out of West Virginia, um, he directly compares to DK Metcalf. He's got size. He has the same long speed. He's got an explosive lower body. You know, he didn't get used to his fullest potential at West Virginia, but he has the athletic tools to be a dangerous wide receiver at the NFL level. And then Matt Landers at Arkansas. You know, when I watched Arkansas's tape of their offense, I kind of gravitated towards the quarterback, KJ Jefferson. He went back to school. He won't be coming out till next year. Uh, he's just, folks, uh, maybe hang a lantern on that guy. He's fun to watch. I nicknamed him Truck Stick because he's a quarterback who will run you over. <laughs> but Landers, he's a little thin. I believe he's about 200 pounds, but he's 6'3", 6'4", runs a 4'3", There aren't too, too many big athletic, or at least long and athletic, wide receivers in this draft class. And Landers definitely checks those boxes. And then a name we've heard crop up a few times with with respect to the Giants is Andre Yoshivas out of Princeton. I thought he was pretty impressive. Uh, I believe he had a 4-4-4-40, I believe. But at 6'3", 205-ish, that's a good time. 
what impressed me was in the field drills with him. Anytime there was kind of a, a, a big catch for one of these throwing quarterbacks in the first group, Yoshivas was on the receiving end. Yoshivas, man, that's just a fantastic athlete. You know, I don't know if he's from New Jersey, but Princeton, that's Jersey pride right there. Always got to shoot that out. And he's just an absolutely insane athletic profile, according to RAS, which is Kent Lee's metric on evaluating prospects, athletic ability. And he's somebody who just, it's green all across the board, ended up finishing with a 9.95 RAS, so almost perfect for Andre Yoshivas. And other wide receivers I kind of wanted to put on the radar too is Marvin Mims Jr. Look, 5'11", 183 is not anything to write home about or anything like that. But 4'38", you know he's a vertical threat, almost averaged 20 yards per catch in college, which is really impressive. He's more of a long striding type of wide out. I felt like he went out there, made himself some money this weekend. And then Charlie Jones out of Purdue. I watched Charlie Jones against Penn State. He saw a lot of Joey Porter Jr. And Porter Jr. had a good game, but he also got beat by Charlie Jones quite a bit. Charlie Jones was somebody who initially was recruited by Buffalo. He's an elite special teams player, punt returner, kick returner, transferred from Buffalo to Iowa, played two years at Iowa with a redshirt season as well. And then as a redshirt senior, he transferred to Purdue, a more pass-heavy attack, as we know the Iowa Hawkeyes don't necessarily pass the football all that much, Chris. And Charlie Jones ended up setting, I think he might have set a record at Purdue in terms of his catches because he ended up having 110 receptions on 154 targets for 13, just over 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns. And he was a really impressive player. And he was somebody who was going to be a little bit older, right? He's a 24, he'll turn 25 next year. But I think as a day three pick, he's somebody who can contribute to a wide receiver room. So I really like Charlie Jones and I felt like he tested well at the combine, looked smooth, ran a 4-4-3 with a 1-5-1, 10-yard split, jumped 10-4 in the broad, 36 and a half in the vert, which is solid numbers. So he was another player I kind of wanted to put on Giants fans radar. Yeah. And yeah, just to kind of keep things moving a little bit along because the wide receivers were good. They didn't have a whole lot of stars come out. Uh, I think Quentin Johnson might've had the, uh, the highlight of the wide receiving uh, of the wide receiver workouts on that, those, uh, fade routes when he just kind of jumped out of the gym to snag a pass from, I believe it was Anthony Richardson with that first group. But then the tight ends took the field at the end of the workout. And those guys, man, they, I I don't think there was a single loser among the tight end group. They were all fantastic. It's saying something about a tight end class when you're 10th slowest it's still running a four seven forty. Absolutely. And dude, the names, there, there are so many. And it's so fascinating to me because you have their top end guys like Michael Meyer, right? From Notre Dame, Darnell Washington from Georgia, who had a fantastic combine, a one-handed catch along the sideline, which was really just insane to witness. But you have guys who are going to be available on day three, on late day two, right? Like your Sam Laportas of the world. Players like that, Zach Kuntz from Old Dominion, Luke Schoenmaker, the Michigan tight end, who ended up running a 4-6-3, Tucker Kraft from South Dakota State. You have a lot of depth at this position overall, and I just I, I find it kind of a fascinating conversation. Who is going to be the first football team to take the Notre Dame kid, Michael Mayer, or to take Darnell Washington, or, or Luke Musgrave, or Dalton Kincaid, who did not test at the Combine, Utah uh, tight end? Just because it's such a deep class, is it not? 
Yeah, it is an incredibly deep class. I think during the broadcast, Daniel Jeremiah said he could see 10 starting tight ends come out of this draft class. And after watching them, I'm not sure I disagree with that. I think there are probably four right now with Meyer, Musgrave, uh, Dalton Kincaid, and Darnell Washington, who I think you could make an argument at the very least that they are all first round talents. Yeah, Darnell Washington, he's a little bit raw as a receiver, but dude compares to Rob Gronkowski. And then in that fade drill, he did an Odell. So the, the potential upside with this draft class, with this tight end class is absolutely insane. And just, I think the even bigger question is just how do NFL teams value these tight ends. You know, we've seen the draft value of a tight end slip a little bit. You know, 2017, we saw three go in the first round. But after that, you know, you needed to be an exceptional standout, uh, a Kyle Pitts level standout of tight end to be drafted in the first round. But with this draft class, I could see an argument for a team that is that needs a wide receiver to instead go for one of these tight ends because the available tight end is just a better player and a potentially better receiving option than the wide receiver available at the same pick. Darnell Washington, man, not to keep talking about him, but holy crap, man, a 408 20-yard shuttle at 264 pounds, 6 foot 7, almost 35-inch arms. This is like a sixth offensive lineman out there for you. You know what he can do for your 12 personnel package? And he's still raw as a receiver because he wasn't utilized all that often as a receiving threat because they have Brock Bowers down there at Georgia playing tight end. It's it's pretty incredible, man. He's His upside is through the roof, and I would not be shocked if he's a first-round pick just because a team can foundationally change what they do on offense in terms of how they employ their 12 and 13 personnel packages with a player like Darnell Washington. And one other name at tight end before we transition to the running back, we brought him up a little bit, but old dominion, Zach Kuntz, he's going to be a day three guy more than likely six foot seven, 255 pounds, big 10 plus inch hands, 34 inch arms, ran a four, five, five with a one, five, seven, 10 yard split and jumped 40 inches in the vert with a 10, eight broad jump. And then a six, eight, seven, three cone. Like, you want to talk about making money for yourself and putting yourself into a better position pre to post combine. Zach Kuntz had a fantastic workout, and I'm sure a lot of NFL evaluators are going to be going back to Old Dominion tape to check him out after this testing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, shortly after the tight ends got got done working out, working out, I I tweeted, "Okay, Brian Dable, hear me out. Thirteen personnel base offense, which that was a joke, but also." Daniel Bellinger, a Darnell Washington, and then a Zach Koontz. You know, that is a big, athletic, and very versatile offensive package. And, yeah. you know, I, I think it at least bears considering, perhaps not seriously, but you could do a lot with that. And you're going to have to look into his time at Penn State. Why did he transfer all that other stuff? But man, those athletic testing is, it's just something that really jumps out. But let's transition a little bit to the running back here, Chris. And there was a lot of, I would say, impressive running backs at this combine, which, and you also look at the free agent cycle 
a lot of really good free agents who are available. Saquon Barkley could be. We'll have to wait and see exactly what happens there. At, by this point, when you're listening, you might already know that. But Devin A. Chain, we all knew he was going to run fast. He ended up running the fastest 40 with a 4.32. That is a Texas A&M running back. And then Jamar Gibbs wasn't that much slower at a 4.36, 40-yard dash. Keaton Mitchell with a 4.37. So you're talking about some speedy running backs and also when they operated on field drills they could run routes they looked very smooth and fluid in space specifically jamari gibbs out of alabama so who really stuck out to you in terms of the running backs at the combine um well obviously Bijan robinson jameer yeah. gibbs devin a chain those guys those guys all stood out to me the one i wasn't expecting to jump out at me was Chase Brown. Uh, we talked about his brother, Sidney Brown, on the defensive recap. And man, Illinois is putting some players into the NFL. I think what really jumped out to me with Chase Brown was how violent a player he is. Now, you talked about a hit he laid on Riley Moss at the Senior Bowl. For me, it was how aggressively twitchy he was in his movements and then when he would get up press the hole quote-unquote hole at the simulated line of scrimmage and then his jump cut like it reminded me of no one so much as andre brown former giant mm -hmm. and to me that is i that's just the kind of thing i love to see and when you have a physical running back who can be that explosive with his lower body that's always going to catch my attention but then also tajay spears he is a ton of fun like that dude's contact balance is absolutely insane and also deuce vaughn shortest player ever at the nfl scouting combine at five foot five but man if he didn't look good out there and he looked particularly good as a receiver that that guy has natural hands Deuce Vaughn doing the bag drill, how quick it was. It was just like pop, 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 pop. And he was just gone, dude. I was like, holy yes. crap, the type of control. And I understand he doesn't have as far of distance to go because he's only five foot five, but his foot control was really impressive. Yeah. Well, something I keep trying to tell people is that, you know, size is not a skill. Size is a trait, and skill is how you use your traits. And Deuce Vaughn, he has learned how to use his size as an asset. He can press the line of scrimmage, get lost behind the big offensive lineman and then just make ankle breaking cuts and go. And you would expect a guy, his size to make, make the occasional business decision. He does not. He plays with abandon out there. He is a lot of fun to watch. The very tough player. Like you said, a lot of fun to watch. He only tested in the explosive drills, 35 and a half vert, which is pretty damn solid. And then a nine, eight broad jump. But man, he has 27 and three fourth inch arms. That's, I think, smaller. I think it's smaller than Wondell Robinson. <laughs> but I, that's really, I, I think those are, I think that's smaller than me. <laughs> Which is, yeah, man, that's, that's, he's a small guy, but you know what? An NFL team is going to select him probably on day three. And he, he's a good football player despite his size. But Chris, before we go to the ads, do you have anything else on the running back position? No, you know, I, I'm not sure how many running backs go in the first round um potentially only Bijan robinson but there are a lot of very good running backs in this draft class and i think there i think there are running backs to fit any style you want to run like we didn't even mention zach charbonnet out of ucla he was mm. impressive uh he's kind of an upright runner 
but he moves very, very well. And I think, I think it almost doesn't matter where your team decides to draft a running back in this class. You're almost guaranteed to get a good one. Yeah, it's a very, very deep class, which says something about allocating a big portion of your cap to the running back position when there's this many talented guys coming into the draft. But before we get into the rest of the offense, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors here at SB Nation. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. So, Chris, quarterback position. There's a guy by the name of Anthony Richardson from the University of Florida, Gatorland, who went down to the combine and just is attempting, and I'm not sure when the draft rolls around if he will be, but attempting to solidify himself as a top five pick. With the amount of upside that this kid has at six foot four, 244 pounds with his athletic ability, Chris, a 4-4-3-40, a 1-5-3 10-yard split, over 40 inches in the vert with a 10-9 broad jump, and he looked good throwing the football in his underwear. I know there's much more to the quarterback position than that, but I could see general managers falling in love with this kid and coaches being like, I can fix whatever issues he has. Let's bring him into our building. Yeah, absolutely. I think he absolutely solidified himself as a top 10 pick. You know, when you make Cam Newton and Andrew Luck look like ordinary athletes, you're something special out there. And Richardson absolutely has every single tool you could possibly want to work with as a quarterback coach. He can throw the ball through a brick wall. He could probably run through the brick wall himself. Uh, He's going to outrun almost any defender who goes against him, except for like Nolan Smith. And Supposedly, he was very impressive in the interviews as well. His biggest problem is that he is raw as a passer. He has very few starts under his belt. He would benefit from going to a team where maybe they can afford to let him sit for a year and then get him with a good quarterback's coach and clean up his footwork, clean up his his throwing motion technique, get all of that nice and repeatable, and then watch out. And he supposedly did pretty well in his interviews, which is something that us on the outside will never really know because it's really hard. We just kind of go from little things that we hear, but that's a huge portion 
of the combine, especially for the quarterback position, is how you interview in front of the teams, your recollection, your memory. They'll tell you a play and then half hour later ask you to recall it, stuff like that that they try to do. And supposedly he did a good job in that. So Anthony Richardson moving up the draft boards. And then I also thought CJ Stroud looked good throwing the football. Ball jumps out of his hand. It's just pinpoint accuracy, right? Like CJ Stroud has a he has a powerful arm, but he's not that's not his his calling card. But you want to talk about somebody who uses precision to put the football exactly where it needs to be. That is CJ Stroud. Yeah. And I am very big on precision in passing because to me, that shows an understanding of not only what to do, but why you're doing it. You know, how to set your receivers up to make the most of every play and also how to protect your receivers, how to lead them away from hits as opposed to leading them into hits or forcing them to slow down, turn back, contort their bodies, and really put them in a more vulnerable position. And to me, it was almost unfair to Anthony Richardson that he had CJ Stroud immediately following him <laughs> in all of the in all of the throwing drills because Stroud was just his throwing motion is so incredibly crisp, so repeatable. Almost for a given route, his throws looked almost identical. It was incredibly impressive, and I'm honestly, I am, I am honestly disappointed that Bryce Young did not throw because I think the three of them could have put on a real show out there. Yeah, I agree. I think Will Levis, when he was throwing as well, the ball, you could see that's a powerful arm, right? Like the ball just jumps out of his arm. And I think that was evident when he was throwing those slant routes and just kind of going through his process as well. But some later round guys or possibly undrafted guys, one that I wanted to bring up, and that was Tyson Bajan from Shepard. I felt like he tested well as an athlete. He ended up running a 4.79, which is not terrible, one five eight ten 10 yard split, and then 36 inch vertical jump. He's a small school kid from Shepherd College. And the most interesting part maybe of his combine performance, I thought he threw the ball well, was his father who was interviewed and wanted to be called, I think it was like the beast or something like that. He actually, that's what he addressed himself as, which was quite entertaining, I'd say the least. But Tyson Bajan, he might not be drafted, but I think he's one of those interesting UDFAs that you bring in and you can develop and he has some tools to work with. Yeah, I, I was impressed by Stetson Bennett out of Georgia. You know, very undersized guy. Um I believe he actually came, he might be a little bit taller than Bryce Young, but I think he weighed a little bit less. Uh, he was arrested earlier in the offseason in Dallas for public intoxication. I don't know if he's going to be undrafted or a late-round pick, but I thought he was one of the most consistent throwers at the Combine, and he honestly threw the prettiest-looking deep ball and probably the most accurate deep balls, certainly among the first group and he was right up there with CJ Stroud for just the quarterbacks as a whole. But to me, the guy that the two guys that really caught my eye were Jaron Hall out of BYU. I thought he was just a very, very consistent thrower. I think, you know, I think Zach Wilson has kind of soured people on BYU quarterbacks for a little while, but Jaron Hall, I, he looked like he might never be a starter, but I think he could be a, pretty good backup for a long time in the NFL. And then Dorian Thompson Robinson, he actually came in taller than people were expecting. And he had surprisingly the strongest arm in 
of all the quarterbacks, he had the highest ball speed at 62 miles an hour. He topped out Anthony Richardson, who had 60. Will Levis, who I believe was at 59 miles an hour. And I thought DTR, he actually improved his throwing motion as compared to what I saw on tape from him during the season. As we transition to the offensive line, let's leave with some unfortunate news. USC offensive lineman Andrew Voorhees looks like he tore his ACL towards the end of his, I believe it was his 40-yard dash. And even after tearing his ACL, I think he went and he put up, was it 36 reps on one leg for the bench? Like That's just wildly impressive. But regardless of the fact, Andrew Voorhees, who was looking like he could be an early day two pick tore his ACL, he was an option for the Giants if the Giants did want to invest in their interior offensive line. And it's just unfortunate that that happened to the young man. It really is. You know, it's, it sucks when an injury happens to a professional in a game. It is somehow worse when not even somehow it is just straight up worse when it is a prospect who gets hurt at the combine, you know, they don't have a contract yet. They, they've got insurance, but you know, it takes millions of dollars out of their pocket. It drops them down the draft board and it, this will probably take his rookie year from him. I, I just feel absolutely terrible for him. Uh, the only consolation silver lining, and this is kind of reaching for it is some team is going to get a very good offensive lineman at an extreme discount. Yeah, that's the only silver lining to that situation. Now onto the offensive tackles, though. And I got to say, I felt like the top offensive tackles, they all looked fine in their in their drills, right? Like moving around, I felt like Broderick Jones looked the part. I felt like Darnell Wright from Tennessee, Broderick Jones from Georgia. I felt like he also looked the part as well. One player I knew nothing about was BYU's Blake Freeland. We're bringing BYU up again. But Blake Freeland, he tested off the charts and looked really good in the in the drills, right? He ran a well first he's six foot seven, three hundred two pounds. Let's lay that foundation. Ran a four nine eight forty. Very good. One six eight ten yard split, which is a nine point eight eight on the RAS metric scale. And he jumped thirty seven inches in the vert with a ten foot broad. All at 302 pounds, six foot seven, very controlled and balanced type of athlete. And I feel like he's somebody who definitely did himself well at the combine. Yeah, he's he definitely sent people back to that BYU tape to get a good look at him. You know, with his height, I am concerned that he'll be able to play with consistent leverage. But just based on his athleticism, he is at the very least worth a look out there. And like you said, the top guys, they confirmed that they were top guys. Yeah, The one kind of maybe just outside of top player who really kind of caught my eye was uh, Matthew Bergeron out of Syracuse. I believe he was a left tackle at Syracuse. I think he'll be a, I, I think he could play whatever position you want him to, but he's probably going to be best as an interior guy. I thought he looked very, very good in he looked great in the measurable measurable drills. I thought he looked really good out there in the field drills. So I, I think he's a guy to really keep your eye on for the Giants fans. He's six foot five, three hundred and eighteen pounds. He did not run the forty, but he jumped forty and a half in the vert and then an eight seven broad. But man, you're right, dude. When he was doing the screen pulls and everything, just getting him out on the move, it was like a locomotive. So I felt like he was a player who had a really good senior bowl week. And that's kind of when I was turned on to him. And then now he went to the combine and he looked good enough in those drills. Didn't get the test. I'm sure if he's healthy enough, he'll do that at his pro day, which will be coming up in the next couple weeks. But Bergeron's definitely a player that giant fans 
should be aware of, but I don't know how much the Giants are going to invest in the tackle position, having Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal there. So let's transition to the interior offensive line. And there are a couple names here that really jumped out. I knew Cody Mock from North Dakota State, who was a tackle in college, but will likely play inside at the NFL level. He's tested out every single position. So he's wildly versatile in that type of way. I knew he was going to be the player that was going to be the Ben Barch or the Quinn Miners of this draft. You know what I mean? Like the player that like the NFL world focuses on for that for that workout period. It's always an offensive lineman who's who has a certain characteristic that is very unique, right? And Cody Mock, he has long red hair, scraggly red hair with no front teeth. <laughs> that is definitely <laughs> the most interesting man in the world of the combine for that day. Yes, absolutely. Like I I watched him. I did a scouting report on him. I, I like to try to get as many of my offensive line reports done before the combine as I can, just so you, you're not blinded by the workouts. You can really concentrate on the on the tape itself. And Mock was he was very impressive out there. I, I absolutely believe he can play whatever position you want him to. He could be a super sub on a good offensive line, or he could step in and play left guard center right tackle you know and maybe not uh, maybe not tackle at the at the nfl like in a pinch he could do it but yeah he is he is a lot of fun he is a tough guy and yeah he's one of those most interesting men at the combine what about John Gaines the second out of UCLA he was another player on the interior offensive line that just had a solid overall day uh, solid he was one of the most athletic offensive lineman out there at, at any position. He was very, very impressive. Yeah. I think he has the versatility to play guard or center. I believe he's, he had, I believe he's got starts at both guard and center at UCLA. Yeah. He's a little bit smaller. He's, you know, six, four, three Oh three, uh, 33 and five eighths inch arms. So I think that will kind of move him into either the guard or center position, but he is very, very athletic and if you run a zone blocking scheme or you like to use a an interior lineman as a puller i think you need to take a good long look at john Gaines. he had a 995 ras score and everything is green other than that weight he's a little bit undersized he's 303 pounds he's about six foot four according to this so he's a player man the giants need interior offensive line this could be somebody who could be had a little bit later on in the draft so somebody to remember that is john Gaines, the second out of the ucla anybody else who caught your eye on the interior offensive line chris um i would say he, he caught my eye previously but uh yeah, sorry. Probably Jordan McFadden out of Clemson. He was uh, Clemson's left tackle. I think he moves inside at the NFL level. Yeah, he's got tackle feet. Like he he could absolutely handle the athletic requirements of being a tackle at the NFL. You know, he had a one seven four ten yard split, which is basically elite among tackles. But he's also six foot two, and that is just going to be too short for a lot of teams out on tackle, but he does have 34 inch arms. He's got that 10 yard split. He moved very well out in the field. So I could see him being a elitely athletic interior offensive lineman. Now, whether or not his game translates to the interior, that remains to be seen. 
Remains to be seen. And one other thing, just before we get out of here, Bryce Young, I believe he weighed in at what, 204 pounds, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think yes. he plays at 204 pounds, but you know what? That is going to be good for his profile because just checking that mark in NFL evaluators' minds of, hey, I'm over 200 pounds, goes a long way for whatever reason. Yeah. I think people tend to get hung up on quarterback weight as though, you know, how, how big your pecs are um, protects the joints. They not as such. No, when you've got a 300 pound, you've got a Dexter Lawrence bearing down on you. Um, I really don't think there's such a thing as body armor (laughs) to protect a quarterback at the NFL level. (laughs) Yeah. You're going to need mountains for pecs to protect yourself from Dexter Lawrence. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) All righty, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into the Chris and Nick show. Please, if you have not done so yet, like and subscribe, comment on the podcast. That does a lot for the algorithm that I do not fully understand. And also head on over to bigblueview.com and check out all of our written content on the New York Giants and the NFL draft. Take care, everyone. Thank you and have a lovely day. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.